You know, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at all these life hacks, and it just made me start to wonder, I bet there's some serious life hack fails. I mean, people have tried to be brilliant, but really did not find brilliance in what they try to create. And I found what I think are some five pretty amazing life hack fails for us to look at this morning. Check out these pictures. Life hack fail number one. I mean, seriously, (laughs) how can anyone even find enough batteries to deal with this? It's a problem. Life hack fail number two. Guys, that's a hose, and I don't think hoses should be disrespected like that. I just don't think so. Life hack fail number three. If you've never seen a hat before, just use the trash. That's a cup holder, right? Just put that on there. Great work. I am probably going to use that. Next pirate game. Look for me. Life hack fail number four. I mean, guys, why? Seriously, just, just please don't. Just don't. Life hack fail number five. It's hard to see that picture, but that is a, a, a car being jacked up by um, something that should be j- jacked up by. And I can't even explain how this works. And you know, even in the midst of fails, there are some great hacks out there, like this next one. This is the win. How many of you guys are coffee lovers out there? Oh yeah, have you ever had the issue? It's a hot day, you want your iced coffee, but the ice just keeps watering down your coffee. No more, my friends, check this out. Coffee ice cubes, voila. Yes, just make your coffee, pour it in the ice tray, and tomorrow you got ice cubed coffee. You will never have watered down coffee again. Or you want an environment safety thing, or uh, you wanna help the environment, and you wanna um, you know, save some money, if you're like me, you make some coffee in the morning and you just kind of sip it as the morning goes by and you don't never really finish the whole coffee and then you just like waste half of it. You ever have that problem? Just take that leftover coffee, pour it in the ice tray. Voila, iced coffee the next day. You're welcome. You're welcome. But in all honesty, in life, sometimes we have fails. Sometimes spiritually and emotionally in life, we sometimes have fails. When life falls short or when we are dealing with consequences from poor choices or we often attempt different quick fixes to try to overcome the disappointments in life or when life is not going the way that we hoped it to and sometimes in life we just fail and we fall trapped to these spiritual quick fixes and we need to be careful because a lot of these spiritual quick fixes, they may seem good, they may seem right, but they're just damaging you spiritually because there's a deeper issue. You want to know some of the spiritual quick fixes that we tend to to fall prey to? Well, the first one is just kind of like a quick prayer. You know, when life doesn't go our way, when there's a problem we're dealing with, whenever what, what may be happening, we just have a quick prayer, God, please just help me with this. Make it go away. Make life right again. But you know what the problem is with that? There's a couple problems. Problem number one God was never intending to be our special genie just there to grant our every wish. That's not why he exists. He does not exist to grant you your wish. But the bigger issue is we lose sight on why prayer is important. Prayer is not important for us to come to God really quickly and ask for him to grant what I want. Prayer is important because in communication, relationships are developed. That's what happens. And that's what prayer is all about. It's our communication. It's that building that relationship with God. And let's be honest for a moment. How many of you guys have friends in your life 
that really the only times you really hear from them is when they want something or need something. Do you have relationships like that? I mean, the only time they call is, hey, I need this, or I, I want you to do this. How much do you appreciate that friendship? Probably not too much, do you? Because why? You long for real relationships. You long that you can hang out with somebody without a demand or, or a want, right? We all desire that. So let me ask you this question. If you don't like that, do you think God really enjoys that? Do you think God really enjoys the only time he ever hears from you is when, God, I need you to do something for me. I need you to come through for me in this. Is that a real relationship? Probably not. See, God wants more than just to hear from you when life's falling apart. God wants to be a part of your life all the time. He wants a real relationship. That's why the second spiritual quick fix is a major concern because the other spiritual quick fix we fall prey to is becoming religious. You know, sometimes we have a tendency that we fall into a mindset of just checking off all the religious to-do lists in order to keep favor with God. I came to church today, I read the Bible today, and we just check off the list, but we're not really building a relationship because the reality is this, I said it a couple times already, this is about creating and building a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God of all the universe wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want these, these quick fixes to try to earn favor or just try to make life all better again. He wants a real relationship and oftentimes we're struggling spiritually and emotionally because we have failed to realize the importance of a real relationship with a God who came to this world to die for us. That's how badly he wants a relationship with you and he hopes that you desire that same thing in our life today. This is the exact issue that Jesus had with the religious people of the day. The people who made other issues the issue rather than dealing with the real thing. And it just amazes me because here are these people back thousands of years ago who could see Jesus face to face. They could hear him. They could touch him. They could see him. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? Yet still being there physically with Jesus, they missed it. They missed it. And you know what? We do too. We do too. And in Matthew chapter 22, we see an interesting story when the religious leaders came and approached Jesus. This group was called the Sadducees. And they approached Jesus with intentions to stump them. They did not like him. And they were too smart for their own good. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever had someone in your life that you came into contact with that are sometimes just too smart for their own good? I mean, every conversation with them is generally an argument where they're always trying to one-up you. And they're always trying to come up with these classy arguments just to stump you and to question you. And they use those big fancy words to try to make themselves sound more intelligent. Ever run into people like that? Drive you up the wall a little bit? Yeah. And that's what the Sadducees were doing to Jesus. They were trying to act all smart and they were trying to stump Jesus and trying to get him into a theological debate, into a theological trap, and they were missing it. They were attempting to use the Old Testament scriptures, and they tried to trick Jesus with a question of a widow 
who was now wanting to marry again, if she then was a widow again and married again, then when the resurrection happens, whose husband is really hers? You know, who does she really belong to? And you have to understand something here. This group did not believe in the resurrection. They were just trying to get Jesus into a theological trap. And what they were doing is something we do all the time. They were running from the real issue of their heart and they were creating other issues. And that's what happens all the time. We don't want to deal with the, issue, other, the real issue. So what we do is we create other issues. And we create other issues rather than being honest with our own heart and what, the, what our real struggle is. You know, let's be honest. Sometimes we make other things the issue. And to steal a, a, a Pastor Steveism, the issue is never the issue. The issue is never the issue. And we need to be honest with ourselves. Because many times in our life and in our relationships, we have created other issues simply because we don't want to deal with the real issue. And the real issue is your heart. My heart. Our hearts. And that was the real issue with the Sadducees, with the religious leaders in that day. They didn't want to deal with their own heart. And so they made other issues. And you see, there's a couple types of people today. There's the group of people who are honest with where they are at emotionally and spiritually. And when you're honest with where you're at, you have the ability to, to take the next steps and overcome it. But then there's those people who are not realistic with their current emotional state. They're not realistic with where they are at spiritually. And all they do is rather than dealing with the real issue, they constantly create other issues rather than dealing with their own heart. In James chapter 1, this isn't in your notes, but James chapter 1 says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. And I, I'm afraid that there's many people today that are absolutely deceiving themselves because they're not being honest with themselves. I do it too. I'm a sucker to my own self. I am. And where are you? Where are you? The religious leaders were not realistic with their current spiritual state. They were trying to create those other issues. They were trying to, to not deal with their own heart. And you know what? You do it. I do it. We all do it. Because let's be honest for a moment. We don't like to be wrong. We don't like to be told wrong. I don't. I, I allow pride to get in the way sometimes. I have three boys at home. Guess what? They don't like it when I have to tell them that they are wrong. We don't, but some points in our life, we need to be honest with ourselves. We all have issues, and we all have next steps to grow spiritually. And the sooner we realize that and are honest with it, the sooner we can grow. And so when we are not real with ourselves, when we are not taking our next steps spiritually, there are serious danger zones that we need to be aware of. I mean, look at what Jesus told the, fair, the Sadducees after they questioned him in, in uh, verse 29 of Matthew 22. Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Do you see that? You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. There's a serious danger zone we need to recognize. The first one, jot this down, is not being realistic with our own current spiritual state. Not being realistic with our current spiritual state. Jesus was pretty blunt with these people. He was blunt with them and some of us need to be blunt with ourselves today, too. As I said a moment ago, Jesus looked them square in the eyes and told them 
you are wrong. That's plain and simple, you're wrong. And sometimes we need to be honest with our own heart. We live in a culture of self-perceived rights where the customer is always right. And with this mindset, we've come to believe that we are always right. But how can that really be? I mean, honestly, how can we always be right? We can't. No matter the situation, no matter our choices, we're not always right. And we need to be honest with ourselves that sometimes we are just wrong. We need to get over ourselves. We need to get over it and accept it. It's not being negative about yourself. It's being honest. Why? So that you can grow. So that you can overcome. So you don't have to deal with those same consequences in your life anymore. And not hold your own self back. Jesus told the religious leaders that they were wrong. And the common problem is generally because of two things that we struggle with and that Jesus pointed out to them. Common problem number one is not knowing the scriptures. It's not knowing the scriptures. You see, this is a big, there's a big difference between an acquaintance and a good friend. You know exactly in your life, your relationships, who are acquaintances and who are good friends. And just think about it for a moment. What is the significant difference between an acquaintance and a good friend? Well, an acquaintance, we keep things surface level. I mean, it's the, how are you? What's going on? Did you catch the game last night? It's all surface level. A good friend, you are real with. You're honest with. You will open up to. You will let them know the deep, dark secrets of your heart. That's a real friend. But sadly, many of us are struggling because we keep Jesus at an acquaintance level. That's what he means when he says we don't know the scriptures. Because to know the scriptures is to know God and to know him personally. And that was the big failing point for the religious leaders back then. They knew the scriptures. They could cite them, but they didn't know God. They didn't know who God was at all. And many of us have that same struggle. We might know some of the scriptures, but do you really know God? Do you really know Jesus? He wants a real relationship He doesn't want to be an acquaintance where sometimes we just keep that wall. He wants in. He wants in so badly he came to this world. He died on that cross. That's how badly he wants a real relationship with you. The second common problem that we all struggle with is we don't know the power of God. It's not knowing the power of God. You know, knowing the scriptures is knowing God and it's knowing his power. But oftentimes we are so consumed with fear. We're so consumed with worry that we forget the reality of who God is. I mean, let's be honest for a moment. How many of you guys have fear and worry in your life? Be honest. I do too. We all do. I mean, I'm scared of an illness striking my family. I am scared of this world that we live in and raising three boys and what's what's this world going to look like in 10 years or 20 years when they're adults. That scares me. And sometimes I allow that to consume me. I'm just being honest. I'm human, just like you. And sometimes we allow those fears and the concerns to consume us so much that we lose sight on who God is and his true power. Because it's like, kind of like taking a picture. I mean, just imagine if I'm trying to take a picture of that back room, of that back wall, and I got the automatic zoom lens on, and I'm going there, and someone in the front row just stands up and gets in the way. Guess what's going to happen to the automatic zoom? 
it's going to blur the back and zoom in on whoever just stood up in my way, blocking my ability to see the back wall and take a good picture. And the same thing happens spiritually to us all the time. You know what happens? Is we are trying honestly to focus on Jesus, but then life happens. Things get in the way, worry and fear strike us, and our focus blurs out Jesus onto the problem. And before you know it, you become so consumed with the problem, the worries, the fears, the concern, that that's what consumes you. And when that happens, Jesus is just blurring the background and you've lost hope. And many today are living a life of lost hope because of their focus on the problem rather than Jesus. It's a struggle we all have. But the more we focus on Jesus, the more he blurs out the problem. But we need to real, be real honest with where our focus is because the true struggle for all of us, it's a human nature thing, is that sometimes life just happens. Sometimes life just happens. And when life just happens, our priorities get challenged and before we know it, we're struggling. We're struggling spiritually, we're struggling emotionally, and we've lost sight of who we are and who, whose we are because life just happened. We need to grow spiritually. It has to happen. We need to take our next steps. We need to become more and more like who Jesus is and what he desires from us. It doesn't happen by chance. We need to take the steps. There's some key elements for spiritual growth. Jot these down. The first one is pursuing God. We need to pursue God. Here at Impact, we call this reaching up. This is about focusing on our relationship with Jesus. I said it already many times. This is about building a relationships. It's about pursuing him. So in your life, let's be honest, what do you pursue? What do you pursue? I mean, in your day-to-day -day journey, do you wake up and do you truly, honestly pursue God? God, today I live for you. I want to be for you today. Whatever it is, whatever road you take me on, I'm striving for you. Or do you pursue your own activities? Do you pursue your own desires? Do you pursue your own direction? We need to be honest with what we're pursuing, and I hope that in your life you begin, if you haven't already, to truly to pursue God. Secondly is building community. Building community. Here at Impact, we call this reaching in. This is about focusing on a requirement for spiritual growth. Like I said, it doesn't happen by chance. We need to make the efforts. God made all the effort by sending his son to this world, and now he said, now it's your turn. I made the effort for this relationship, and we need to make the effort as well. In any real relationship, two people need to make an honest effort to make that relationship healthy and grow and be what it needs to be. And when someone is not, that relationship will struggle, and many of our relationship with Jesus are struggling because he did all the work, and we're not doing anything. We need to put effort into building this relationship. And thirdly, uh, the third key element of spiritual growth is unleashing compassion. Here at Impact, we call this reaching out. This is about focusing on our responsibility to others. I mean, seriously, have you ever truly realized you have a responsibility for others? As a follower of Christ, if you've claimed to follow Jesus, you have a responsibility for others. We cannot escape this primary job as followers of Christ, as the church, we have a responsibility for others. He was in seventh grade. His name was Gary. 
And I was on the baseball team and Gary was on the baseball team. And, and when I was younger, my whole desire was to be popular. My desire was to be the best athlete I could possibly be. I mean, that was my focus back then. And Gary, let's be honest, he was not a popular kid in school. And he didn't have an athletic bone in his body. He just wanted to go out there and play ball. And when you get up there in the seventh grade, junior high years, high school years, you know, sports kids are a little bit more intense, a little bit more serious. And, and we were in a tight game and, and we were up and it was a ninth inning. And you know, in, in those time periods, the coaches, when they have to put a player in, they'll put them in at the, the last possible time and in a position where hopefully they'll see no action when it's a close game. And that's what happened. Gary got in there towards the end of the game. It was in the ninth inning. He was playing right field. And I was playing catcher. And we were up. And we just needed to make a couple more outs. And let's go home. We win the game. And this batter came up. And he cranked it. He cranked it and went right towards Gary in the right field. And I remember just standing there. And it was like slow motion. That ball going up and up and up and up and up. And I'm thinking, Gary, just put your hand up. Squeeze the ball. You got it, buddy. Come on. Let's put this game away. Just squeeze it. And that ball just going up, up, and I'm watching Gary look. He's watching it, watching it. It goes behind him and just keeps rolling. And then I just watch the, the base runners just round the bases, and we lost the game. I had a choice on that day. You see, as a young boy who was raised in the church, who knew how I should react and respond and treat other people, I had a choice. But I didn't choose the right choice that day. See, that game was the most important thing. And I could have gone in that dugout and said, Gary, you know what? No big deal. No big deal. It's a game. You did your best. You know, I'm proud that you were out there. It's no big deal. But I didn't do that that day. I was mad that we lost that game. And I went into that dugout and I let Gary have it. And I let him know how he let all the team down, how he blew it for us. It was in 10th grade that Gary took his life. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't remember that dugout. That I don't have the what ifs. What if I handled that differently? What if I was more concerned about the person in front of me than the stinking game? What if I was the only opportunity of hope in Gary's life? What if I completely missed it? And I bet a lot of us live with what ifs. And I don't want to live with what ifs anymore. The Bible teaches me, the Bible teaches us that we are responsible for every person that we come into contact with. Not to be preachy to them, not to be on that pedestal of, of, the, of, of the preachy type, but every person we come into contact with, whether it's our neighbor, co-workers, um, person who's in the fast food restaurant, wherever it may be, we're responsible to be hope in their life. By the way you act, by how you respond when things don't go your way, whatever it may be, we are called to be the light in their life. And when we don't do that, we are failing spiritually. We are failing God. It's just that blunt. It's that plain and simple. We need to realize that we each have a responsibility of unleashing compassion on every person we come into contact with. I mean, just think about that. When things don't go your way, how do you respond? When people treat you poorly, how do you respond? How do you treat other people, even the people you don't like? How do you treat them? It matters. 
We are responsible for that as God's church, as God's called us to do. But the common issue for all of us is we get so focused on ourself that we stop pursuing Jesus. I struggle with this. We all do. It's human nature. We get so focused on ourselves, on what we want, on what we want to be involved with, that we lose sight on pursuing in Jesus. This often happens in simple ways. As life just happens and our priorities get challenged, I just want to break this down for a moment. You see, so often life just happens, and we have a tendency when that happens to lose sight of the church, lose sight of Jesus, and just push it all the way. I kind of like to call it like a V-shaped relationship. If you imagine the letter V, and we do it, it happens all the time in all of our relationships. You know, when, we, when I was younger, I had great friends in elementary school, and we played, we hung out, but guess what? As we grew older, as life happened, we got involved with different activities. We got involved with different interests. We did, went different ways. Some people moved. Life happened, and guess what? Like a V, you begin to separate. You begin to go your different directions. It's not a bad thing. Life happens. But unfortunately, many allow that to happen in their relationship with Jesus. I mean, you start off good. You're excited for him. You're hanging out with him. But then life happens. Work gets busy. Kids' activities get in the way. You know, other interests control your thoughts and your desires. And you start to take those steps. And before you know it, like a V, you slowly separate yourself from Jesus. And you slowly separate yourself from the church. Sometimes we allow life just to happen. And when that occurs, oftentimes our priorities get challenged. Our priorities get challenged and it pulls us off course. They get out of alignment. Have you ever driven a vehicle that was out of alignment? I mean, it's a pain in the rear, isn't it? I mean, it's a vehicle that is constantly pulling itself off the road and you're constantly fighting it just to keep it on the right course when it's misaligned. And unfortunately, too many people spiritually are living a life of being misaligned. They become so consumed with life happening, their priorities change, and they're wanting to follow Jesus. They're wanting to have a relationship with Jesus, but life is just continually pulling them off the course. And let me be honest with you, that's the natural drift of human nature. That's the natural drift. Every one of us struggles with that. We do. Let's just be honest with it. We allow life to happen, and when we lose focus, the natural drift is to become more and more like the world and gravitate more and more towards the world, and then we lose sight of Jesus, and we lose sight of the church, and we lose sight of growing and becoming more like him, and before you know it, you're struggling spiritually and maybe even struggling emotionally because we've allowed life to happen. And you know, there's a man in the Bible who allowed that same thing to happen. He's a little-known uh, person, but he f- reveals so much. His name is Demas. Now, Demas, we don't know a whole lot about. We don't know much about who he was or what he stood for or where he came from or anything like that. There's only three verses in the whole entire Bible that even mentions this man. But while we know so little about him, his story pr- provides so much significance to us. We first meet him in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. And in the beginning and ends of Paul's letters, he often highlighted different people who were co-workers with him, who were there with him, who he wanted to encourage. And these weren't just any people. These were people who he was training or developing to lead the church. And here Demas was in Colossians 4, verse 14. It says, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. This was a significant thing for Demas to be listed in Paul's letter. 
And then Philemon 24, we see him again, and Paul writes, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, and Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Here, Paul is taking even a step further and saying, Demas, along with these other people, are fellow workers. They're with me. They're aligned with me. They're aligned with God. They're trying to become difference makers in the world. But then something happened. I don't know what. I don't know what occurred. I'm left to assume that probably life just happened. Here, Demas was a fellow worker. He was someone that Paul relied on for the mission. But then something just happened over the next few years. Because in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, Paul writes these very scary words. He says, For Demas, who loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. That scares me. Paul, or I'm sorry, Demas, who loved this world, has deserted me. The time period between Paul writing Philemon and calling, calling Demas a fellow worker and the, when he wrote 2 Timothy and called Demas a deserter was roughly five to six years. And it just leaves me to wonder what happened in those five to six years? What happened in that time frame? We have no idea what was going on with Demas. We have no idea what his concerns were, his struggles were, or what the real issue was. All we know is that Demas left Thessalonica. Why? Because he loved the world too much. He allowed life to happen. His priorities got challenged. And like a V, he walked away. And I bet safe to assume that he fell into the rut of human tendencies. It just happens. And Thessalonica is a very interesting destination because it was a major port city. I mean, it was a hub for the seaport world. It was the intersection to the rest of the world. And like I said, I have no idea why Demas left. I have no idea why he went to Thessalonica. Maybe the challenges of kingdom work was just too overwhelming. Maybe he wanted more freedom to freelance in his own pleasures. Maybe he was looking for a job and he wanted better pay with, more be with better benefits. Maybe he was just looking for a more self-satisfying lifestyle. But whatever the reason was, Demas was known for the rest of time as a deserter who was more in love with the world than he was Jesus. And that's pretty harsh. But what about us today? It's time we're honest with ourselves. Who do you love? I mean, there's a lot of people who like Jesus. But who do you honestly love? Who do you honestly pursue? When you wake up in each, each morning, who do you pursue? What or whom has your heart? We need to be real with ourselves. See, the major issue for those that fail spiritually, that they fall into a rut, and that they push church and Jesus away, are those people that fall prey to the natural human tendencies like Demas of allowing life just to happen and allowing our priorities to get challenged. Here's another danger zone that you need to jot down. When our focus turns toward a self-satisfying lifestyle rather than Jesus. When our focus turns toward a self-satisfying lifestyle rather than Jesus. That's a major, major red flag when your focus turns to more about what you want and your own desire and your own activities instead of Jesus. 
instead of his mission, instead of his church, when that happens, you better start raising the alarms in your mind and your heart because you're on a scary, scary path. And like Demas, you may not even realize it. And one day you wake up and you're walking away. Like a V, you've become so distracted, so far away from Jesus that you, that you just walk away. And we need to be honest with ourselves. So you want to know the life hack to avoid spiritual danger? Let's look back at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. He said, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. He said, you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. The problem for many of us is that we get so consumed with ourselves, We get so consumed with our wants. We get so consumed with our own activities that we just lose sight of Jesus and who he is and what he desires from us. And we lose sight of his word and what he's trying to teach us in making better decisions in our life. And we lose sight of the direction that he wants for us, that he wants to make it better. You know, it's so basic. It's so basic. Yet if you're like me, it's a constant struggle of practicing it. It's a constant struggle of living it out. And that's not to talk down on any of us. We just need to be honest with ourselves. I struggle with it too. This is an everyday battle. It's a constant battle. So you want to know how to overcome it? Well, number one, we need to get personal with the Bible. We need to get personal with the Bible. Now, when I say that, please understand what I'm saying. The Bible is God's written word. It's a living, breathing thing that connects us with the living, active God. And so what the Bible is really there for is to connect us into a real relationship with him. And when you get personal with the Bible, you're really getting personal with who God is and what he desires from you. That's what it's all about. But unfortunately, many of us who... We're either not reading the Bible, we're not involved in God's word, or secondly, another real problem is we become the religious mindset where we're just trying to read through a a set path of Bible reading. You know, it's like, well, let me read through the Bible in a year and I'm just checking it off that I read it. And we're just focusing on getting the head knowledge. But the reality is we're not getting personal with Jesus. We're not allowing him to consume our hearts. Because every time you open that book, every time you read his words, it's not just to gain more head knowledge, although that's a good thing. The reality is your focus is, okay, God, what are you saying to me? What do you want from me? What in my life do you need to change? My goal is today I become one step closer to Jesus than I was tomorrow. It's baby steps, my friends. Every day needs to be a baby step closer to Jesus become more like him. And for that to happen is becoming more personal with him in his word and being honest, okay, God, I'm reading this to become more like you. What are you trying to say to me? Not, okay, this is a great passion. I need to tell so-and-so. What are you saying to me right now? What do I need to do better? What do I need to become more? What sin habit do I need to overcome? I need to be honest with my heart. And so God, speak to my heart. I don't want to make the other issues, like the religious leaders. God, I want you to speak to my heart and tell me what you want from me. I want to become more like you. That's getting personal with the Bible. The second thing is to realize the power of God. Realize the power of God. When you build more of a relationship with who he is, 
you will understand his power more better. And you'll see it. When you don't allow your focus to be so consumed by the problems, but when you fight to make your focus more on Jesus, you'll see it. That same God that raised the dead, that healed people, that did amazing things, is the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That same God wants to be active in your life too. We just need to make our focus on him. It's about taking those next steps. It's about becoming more and more like him. That's the ultimate goal. Now, all of our, for those of us who are parents, our kids have recently gone back to school and they all got homework. So I figured, let's like make life fair. Let's give ourselves homework, okay? I have homework for you guys. In your bulletins, can you pull this out? It's called a spiritual inventory. Um, I just really encourage you to do this at some point. The, the purpose of this is for you to get real with yourself. Get real with where you are at spiritually, emotionally, and all that different stuff. Just get real with yourself. Will you at some point this week, just sit down and do this? Go through it. Um, be real with where you're at spiritually. Be real with your priorities and what your, day, your weekly activities look like. You know, look at the questions. Look at the real, getting real questions on the back. And maybe take this if you complete it. If you're married, sit down with your spouse and, and talk to each other about, you know, where you're at spiritually. Maybe as a family, what you need to do. Talk to your growth group if you're in a growth group about, hey, I went through this and here's some spiritual steps I need to take. Or I'm not sure. This is where I'm at spiritually. I don't know where I need to go. But let's work together as a growth group and figure out our next spiritual steps. Or if you're not in a growth group or you're not married or you just need someone else to talk to and you have questions, any of us here at Impact are more than willing uh, on the staff or our leaders are more than willing to help sit down and, and pray with you and talk about, hey, what did you find in your spiritual inventory? And um, what are some next steps? Or if you're like, I don't want to talk to anybody, will you at least just do this and just be honest with where you're at and be re real with where maybe God is calling you to go and some next steps you need to take so that you don't fail spiritually, but so that you can overcome and become more like Jesus Receive his blessings, receive his power, and see what God will do in your heart and through your life. Let's pray together. Father God, we just come to you right now. We thank you because of how real you are and what you've done for us. And Lord God, you truly are an amazing God. You came to build a relationship with us. And Lord, forgive us for when we just kept it all as an acquaintance. But Lord, we want a real relationship I don't know where everybody is at here today. I don't know where they're at spiritually or what they're struggling with, but you do. Lord, help us to be honest with our own heart. For those of us who are making other issues, rather than dealing with the own nature of our heart, Lord God, forgive us for that and guide us to putting those issues away and dealing with our own heart and our relationship with you. And may that bring health to us spiritually, bring health to us emotionally. And if we have broken relationships in our life, Lord, I pray it brings healing to those relationships. Lord, we just want to be more like you. We just want to be more like what you desire us to be. We just give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. It's in your name we pray.